Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host. I'd like to uh, turn you on to my website for free resources over there at thelastsymptom.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to support my overall body of work with a donation, you can do that right from thelastsymptom.com. Also, if you're interested in a one-on-one conversation with me, you can schedule that right from thelastsymptom.com. Maybe I can help you sort some things out. had borderline personality disorder as deeply ingrained as anybody has ever had the disorder and now I don't have it no I don't live a life of managing symptoms no I'm not recovering no I'm not in recovery I'm rid of it entirely I'm now enjoying emotional health the way I always would have if I had been raised with emotionally healthy parents. How is this possible? Well, first of all, it's important to understand that many of you, until now, have been viewing this issue filtered through erroneous concepts and false information. To state it plainly, if the idea that I am truly rid of borderline personality disorder seems incredible to you, or hard to believe. This can only be because your understanding of the very nature of the disorder is built on false premises. I started this work to help people gain accurate insights, accurate insights about the nature of things like borderline personality disorder and other disorders that are emotional, not mental, but emotional in nature, to deconstruct myths to break things down to their simplest terms, to highlight the importance and destructiveness of subtle misinformation and the incredibly powerful effect this subtle misinformation has on preventing people from ever truly escaping disorders such as this. Of course, the insights I share are insights I gained from my own personal experience, from all the work and effort I had to put into my own recovery out of genuine necessity, which took me no fewer than seven years plus. Folks, that's a doctorate education. To authentically move from a lifetime of emotional unhealth, which is mired in erroneous fundamental perspectives to begin with, to genuine emotional health, 
one must begin with an accurate foundation of information that is not false in even subtle ways. The very nature of authentic recovery involves the straightening out of distorted, erroneous perspectives people have lived with unaware for their entire lives. So hopefully you can see why things like making a distinction between mental illness and emotional disorder is not a minor, insignificant thing. Or how about dispelling the lie of quote-unquote triggers? It's imperative to understand these subtleties accurately. And unfortunately, the professional community as a group does not value the importance of making these distinctions, nor of accurately educating their clients on these things. Instead, they make the problem much worse by supporting and endorsing the false concepts of these things in the way that they use them in their literature and in their everyday practices. As you'll see for yourself as time goes on, I'm not against the professionals. I often make it a point to explain that there are plenty of individuals within the professional community who are excellent at what they do. At the same time, the professional community as a group has regularly shown itself spectacularly incompetent. So I don't hold back from highlighting their failures and lies as a group when I have to do so in order to help individuals genuinely escape emotional unhealth. This podcast is a free resource available to everybody, obviously. So I'm glad you're here listening to The Last Symptom. I put a lot of work into it every week. I hope you'll come to see it as an invaluable source of free information on a variety of topics. I appreciate your trust, and I hope to earn even more of it as time goes on. So as I mentioned at the outset, if you appreciate what I'm doing and you'd like to support my overall body of work, you can do so at thelastsymptom.com. Let's talk about change, the secret to change. This week, I saw a quote attributed to Socrates, or Socrates, as Bill and Ted like to call him. (laughs) The quote went like this, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. First thing I want to tell you about this quote is that Socrates never said it. (laughs) I saw this quote in a meme, never ever believe memes. Always spend a few minutes doing some basic research before you repeat anything you ever see in a meme, no matter how appealing its message may be. So Socrates never said the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. What? You know, it's really pretty saying, but uh, it's so foolish. I don't even know where to begin. If you're a person who's dealing with an emotional disorder, the secret of change is not, not to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. 
Because do you know what the result of that is? It's never addressing the causes of your problems. <laughs> so it's true that it's not healthy to dwell on bad things just for the sake of dwelling on bad things. But that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing here is very, with intent, looking back into the past, seeing where things went wrong, seeing where our perspectives on things were misaligned with reality, that is the true nature of feelings, self, and life. We're seeing who did that to us. We're reinterpreting those relationships. We're undoing the false education we received and replacing it with an accurate education. And the result of this is that we can then move forward into the future, building the new. But if you just ignore the past, if you just ignore it entirely, you know, a lot of people throughout my recovery told me, you know, Brian, you just need to get over this. You need to get over it and just look to the future. That don't work. They're well-intentioned, those people. They don't know what they're talking about. That don't work. You know, the people in our situations have spent lifetimes pushing aside and ignoring the past or denying the reality of those things, the real, the real nature of those things. No, the answer is to now do the opposite. We do want to look at the past. We want to look at it and start seeing it for what it really was. That's acceptance. That's the opposite of denial. Once we've done that, we can repair those things. And then we can turn around and move forward into the future, building a new future based on a more healthy foundation. So I wanted to start with that. The secret to change is not what this guy said, <laughs> whoever he was. He certainly wasn't Socrates or Socrates, as Bill and Ted like to call him. Uh, but whoever said it, and however pleasing that seems as a meme, if you come across it, don't forward it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I had so many things to share with you today, but last night something happened that entirely changed my plans for today. A member of my group, somebody who's been following my work for a while now, had a huge breakthrough last night. Now, if you'll remember, not long ago, I talked about how epiphanies in recovery can be compared to the breakthrough that a person has when they're trying to see a stereogram. If you're not familiar with a stereogram, a stereogram is 3D art that is printed on a flat sheet of paper. And you can't see the image unless you adjust your vision appropriately for the 3D image to become clear to you. It doesn't take special glasses, none of that. These things were popular in malls back in the 1990s. So you might remember they looked like just a big squiggly line of beautiful collars and lines and a digital printout. And you look at the thing, and I mean, it looks beautiful in its 2D form, but you can't see anything in the image. It's just a bunch of lines. And I have long told people that the experience of having an epiphany or a revelation in your recovery 
is a lot like when you're staring at one of these stereograms and finally your vision penetrates the 2D surface and you see for the first time the 3D image within it. It's exhilarating. You, you feel an exhilaration. You think, whoa, I want to see more of these. The reason why this exercise is so important is because many people know lots of superficial, that is surface information, about psychological issues, about emotional issues that uh, people commonly deal with. They've read the books. They feel like they've got a good book knowledge about these things, but they have not gained any type of insight that truly overpowers their behavior and brings about change. So my argument for a while now has been that if people can do this exercise of trying to see this 3D image in these stereograms or the 3D art, that they will experience the same exhilaration as when you experience an epiphany, that is to say a deep insight in your recovery work. You see, the benefit of having an insight or an epiphany when you're working on these emotional issues is that when you break, finally break through and you see something that was right under your nose all along and it's right there in all of its glory, you think, my God, this thing has been right under my nose all this time. How could I have never seen it? And you feel an exhilaration. That exhilaration empowers you and it motivates you genuinely to search out for more epiphanies. So the stereogram exercise does the same thing on a smaller scale. So I've presented this exercise to people as a way for them to experience the same exhilaration, which then can empower and encourage them to go on to try to experience the same type of insights and epiphanies in their work with recovery. So I had an individual who uh, has been struggling with this for a while who finally had a breakthrough. And I'm telling you, when I say she finally had a breakthrough, it literally, it was last night, late last night, when I got her message. So I quickly said, well, I want to have you on the show that I'm recording tomorrow. I want to get this while it's fresh in your mind. Now, one thing that I will say that I think made a difference in her case was that I told her, if you can't see it and you're getting frustrated because she was pulling her hair out and had already dedicated hours to it and could still not see the image, I said, if, if this is such a big deal for you, I'll tell you what you do. You take this image, take it around and show it to your friends and see if they can see it. If one of them manages to see the image, this is going to light a fire under you. You're going to say, if they can do it, I can do it too. And this really, I think, was an enormous aspect of what finally got her over the edge. So you're going to hear our conversation today. I hope you enjoy it. And um, I'll come back in at the end of this interview and uh, wrap things up. Hope you're all having a great week. Here's our friend Shannon Morris talking about Nola May, the blue brontosaurus.
Alrighty, so you're being recorded now. So if you want to tell me all of your deep dark secrets, now's the time. <laughs> oh gosh, there's the, so many. All the bad things you've ever done. <laughs> oh boy, what a morning I've had. It's uh, <clears throat> I don't know what kind of weather you guys are having up there in Chicago, but it's rainy and I mean it's beautiful, but it's it's rainy and kind of. Well, let me just say this: our Halloween trick or treaters are going to be wearing snow boots. Are you kidding me? No, not kidding. We have snow. It's happened a couple times before, but not in recent history. But yeah, I feel sorry for the little kids. You mean you've got snow on the ground right now? We do. A little sprinkling. Mm-hmm. It started yesterday. Wow. Well, I'm... I refuse to accept it, though. Oh, is that denial? You know, that's denial. <laughs> it's very I actually did pull out my North Face jacket, though, so I'm I'm kind of there. Oh, nice, nice. I just got some uh, new backpack and winter gear. I, I'm eager to get out there and give it a, you know, put it through its ropes. Yes, yeah, see, I couldn't do that. I, I I told you, 32 degrees. It has to at least be not below zero. Why is 32 32 the mark off? Because after that, it's too cold. It just is. Well, it's freezing, so, I mean, you got that working for you. <laughs> but so, I'll tell you what happens when you're backpacking and, and it drops below 32. The only thing that really changes is that you have to sleep with your water bottle. Because if you don't, you'll wake up and your water bottle will be frozen and broke. Can you still make coffee at that temperature, though? Yeah, of course you can. I was making coffee uh, last November. I was up in Pennsylvania. And... Uh, backpacking in very cold weather it got down to i think below four or something like that i mean i yeah i mean i stayed warm at night the only time it was really cold was when i got up to pee in the morning and <laughs> trying to put my boots on my my boots were completely frozen i mean like <laughs> this does not sound fun to me i'm sorry i think a beach i have a beach vacation in cabo in two weeks with my girlfriends that sounds more enjoyable i can't i'm gonna i'm gonna I said 32 degrees. Other than that, no, I'm not there. Both things can be enjoyable. You know, it's not one or the other. That's that black and white thinking. I know. You know what? I would try it. You're right. As long as I had warm clothing, a fire, and nice scenery and good company. All right. Well, now that we're eased into this thing, uh, can I can I tell everybody who you are? Definitely. Okay. You're Shannon Morris. You live in Chicago where it it's snowing unseasonably. And uh, the reason why I've got you on here today is because you were having a trouble with this uh, stereogram, this 3D art that I had assigned to you as a homework. Tell us what happened. Well, I tried for a little while, probably about 15 minutes, and I couldn't do it. And I put it away. Didn't even really give it another thought. And what you had said made a lot of sense to me that, well, first of all, you had made it kind of a challenge um, to go back and take a look at it again. Leading up to that, during that entire podcast prior, you were talking about continuing to try and the baseball player and, and then this man who had had his family asking him to change and yet he didn't see it. So I'd just like to throw in there that uh, you said that you thought I was pulling your leg, didn't you? You thought I was teasing you that. Yes, I did actually. Um, well, I got home and I had a long day at work, terrible traffic, whatever. And I was going to just pull this out and say, "Mm, okay, I'm going to go look at it again. I sat there and stared at it for two hours, two hours. I couldn't see anything. I texted you and said, I don't see it. Can't see it. And 
I literally had a headache so bad and so frustrated. And I felt like I was such a failure. I thought, if I can't see this, then I'm never, ever, ever going to fix my emotional health. Maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Maybe it's just never going to work for me. Maybe he's lying to me. Maybe he's totally pulling my leg and there is no dinosaur there. And you're just effing with me. So I took a break and I had dance class. And I got to class and my partner, who is an old friend of mine, who has a lot of or had a lot of emotional issues himself. And we've stayed friends and he's done a lot of work um, a little further along than I am. And I said, I have a favor. Can you look at this for me? Can you tell me if you see anything? And he looked at it. It took him 30 seconds. He said, yeah, there's a dinosaur. I said, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You didn't even tell him what he was looking for. No, I didn't. And I said, where? Where? And he said, right in the center. It's right there. And I said, all right, well, these brains not pulling my leg. <laughs> that even pissed me off more, though, because I'm like, I still don't see it. How can you see it? And then it kind of bled into the dance class. And I was still angry. I was dancing with him, even angry. And he could tell. Even my instructor could tell. And then I kind of let it go. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let this completely ruin my time and waste everybody else because I can't see a dinosaur. But I'm not going to forget about it. And so after class, said my goodbyes and talked to my friend. And I said, you know, I can't believe you saw this. It's just really bothering me that I can't, I can't get it. And he says, just keep looking. It's there. It's there. Don't give up. And so when I got home, you know, got relaxed. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this one more time. And I sat down. And prior to he, he did give me a hint, though. And I said, what, what, do I, what am I doing wrong? And he says, you're, not look, you're looking too hard. Look through it. You almost have to be cross-eyed to see it. It is kind of like that, yeah. In fact, I've told people that, you know, if you hold your finger out and you're looking at your finger, that's like looking at the surface of this uh, stereogram or 3DR. But if you relax your vision, you'll see your finger split into two. And your vision's actually looking beyond your finger. That's that's what you want to do. Right. And I, I was struggling so hard. The concept, I just, I, I couldn't do it. So I said, okay. So I think at the time I was more relaxed. I wasn't trying so hard. I had used a healthy distraction rather than some bad distraction, dancing or whatever. And it kind of put me in a different frame. Plus I had a little bit of reinforcement from a friend and, and also from you, you know, just saying you can do this. And so I sat down and... It took me about a minute and a half. And mm. when it, yeah, it did. And when I saw it, just like you had said in, in your article, it was there. But it wasn't just a flat dinosaur. It was 3D and multiple levels and layers. Did you feel exhilaration when, it, when you finally had that breakthrough? Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. I mean, it was, it was thrilling. It really was thrilling. It was like, there it is. And it's so beautiful. And it's and, and something that was right, right under your nose the whole time. Right. But you know, more than anything, it was, I guess, tr 
keeping and just keep trying and 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 actually I didn't give up and I I was going to I was even I even thought you know what who cares if I don't see it it's not going to ruin anything for me I'm still going to be the same way I'm still it's not going to ruin my day well I didn't want to let it go I I and I think it was a bigger picture too that it was you know, kind of like a metaphor to my own emotional health. I don't want to just overlook it. I'm tired of just saying it doesn't matter and doing the same things over and over again, even though I have all the knowledge and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that there's many times I'm still not doing it, which is frustrating. Here's an interesting side effect of you having put into work and now you can see this dinosaur. Now you can take any stereogram, any stereogram or 3D art, and you should be able to see the image within, you know, a minute, minute and a half, no problem. Because now that you've broken through just on this one, you know what to do now for all the others. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention to everybody uh, for their benefit is that I kind of approached this with, in a fresh way with you. Do you remember the part of the conversation yesterday where I said, well, t- take it, take it out to somebody, show it to your friends, see if they can see it? Well, yeah, you did. And that was... Well, one to validate whether or not, like I said, was there really something there? Um, I think I was more surprised at how quickly they saw it. And thirty seconds is pretty fast. <laughs> it was pretty fast. And but this is a person who, like I said, came from a very emotionally unhealthy background and is now um, done so much work. And and that's why I wanted to say: is he seeing things beyond what he used to see? And you know, I wanted to equate it to emotional health. Yes, I think so. I think if you can look beyond that and see that you are becoming more emotionally healthy. Um, you know, I, I have another friend that I asked to look at it and his response was, I don't even try. I won't even look at something like that because I don't think I'll ever get it. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And then when I looked at it and couldn't get it, my immediate reaction was, I don't want to do this. But then I got mad at my, you know, I wanted, to, I do want to do this. So I kept trying and trying and trying. <laughs> and then you do. And it feels so good when you do succeed. Um, and there's so many times I do want to quit, even with my own emotional health. I just switched back to the message from last night. What I said was, uh, show, you know, pass it around to your friends, show it to them if they can see it. It'll encourage you to keep trying. Well, that's what that's what happened, and I I wanted to see what he was seeing. I wanted to see what you were seeing. What am I missing? And when you do, and you do see it for the first time, it is. It's exhilarating. And I know I was trying to explain it to other people, and they're like, "Oh, it's a dinosaur," but <laughs> but it's not a dinosaur. It's the effect, right? Yeah. So then it starts you thinking. Well, what else am I distorting? What else have I not been seeing that's there? And I think it's a real, it's like I want to say, no pun intended, it's a real eye-opener. What else have I not been seeing because I myself have been stopping short of seeing it? (laughs) You know, that's that's what's happening with the stereogram when you talk to your friends who say, yeah, I won't even try. They, They put a couple minutes into it, you know, and then they just get frustrated and quit. Well, this is, was huge. Because I know that you've been frustrated with this for a while. Your breakthrough just thrills me. And I was thrilled when you uh, when you finally saw it. 
Um, and you're not the only one, you know, a lot of people are just giving up and not, not trying to go through with this, but I think it's worth it because it's going to illustrate to people, um, really the experience, what the experience of having an epiphany in your recovery is like, it's, it's the same feeling. Well, I think it's just having that concrete, like, like you said, it was a very small step and you think, okay, it's just a dinosaur, but it meant so much more than that because it gets really frustrating when, um, you had mentioned that your recovery had taken seven years. I mean, you think that's a long time. I, I think we want to see the results of it now. We want to see that you're making progress. And it does get really frustrating at times because, you know, we beat ourselves up. We make the same mistakes. We go back. We do a step forward. We do a couple steps back. And um, we are making progress. It's sometimes extremely slow. The really important thing is moving in the right direction. When I talk about seven years, I know that a lot of people think, well, I was one way seven years ago and then seven years passed and all of a sudden I was a different way. That's really not the way it worked. I was improving the whole time. My life was getting better, you know, even so gradual at times that I couldn't even perceive it, but it was getting better that whole time. So, uh, you know, seven years, you're right. It's a long time, but if I'm better tomorrow than I was today, that's something, right? That's good. Tell us about yourself. Uh, tell us about what your career is, you know, your background, those sorts of things. Uh, well, let's see, I'm 50, so hit that mile marker this year. Um, I have, I'm a nurse practitioner, so I work in the healthcare field, and I've been doing that for many, many years when I really enjoy it. Um, I have three children. I'm my oldest in college, first year off. Um, I have two others in high school, 16 and 15. And went through, you know, I, I actually had a very nice life growing up, um, very affluent community, um, two parents who were married, have a sister, still pretty close, got married at the average age of 27, and from then on probably lived a life for a very, very long time. Ended up getting divorced uh, a couple years ago, walked away from a from a bad marriage. My kids have been through a lot. Um, and I think through all those changes, um, was noticing that I was making some of the same mistakes over and over again and wanted to know what did I do to contribute to where I'm at right now. And then my career kind of led to, um, more of a change, which ended up more in psychiatry and started reading a little bit more. Like you had said, you started gaining more knowledge and that started opening my eyes. And then one avenue kind of led to the next. How'd you come across me? How'd you discover me and start tagging along me? I don't know. Your, a couple of your articles came up and, um, I guess your pictures too, you were in the wilderness and I thought that was kind of interesting. As long as it's above 32, right? Above 32 degrees. Yes. (laughs) With coffee in the morning. Uh, <laughs> it's a month. And um, I started reading and it was a little bit faster. I've never read anybody actually talk about, I really didn't even know what uh, borderline personality was at all. Welcome to the club. Neither did, I, neither did I. I had no idea. I mean, I always thought it was some crazy person that was had multiple personalities. So I started reading your articles um, and it made a lot of sense of what had happened and what was going on. And through that, went through um, some dialectical dialectical behavior therapy. Didn't find it to be super helpful. 
I know there's a lot of people that do. I mean, I picked up some things in there, but like you said, it was the more tools that I've been using for many, many years already. Yeah, I call that the uh, the hot bath approach, the professional community's hot bath approach to fixing things. You take a hot bath, you know, and then you get out and you feel better, so you think everything's fixed. It, it, there were some band-aids that I could put on it, but it wasn't it wasn't looking into the cause. And that's what I was trying to find. Even the therapist that I was working with at the time kept focusing on these band-aids. As a nurse practitioner, you know, you've got a really nice insight into this. When you treat patients, you're not just giving them a Tylenol, right? That You're trying to get to the bottom of what it is this headache is coming from or the the dizzy spells or, you know, the high blood pressure, whatever. You're, you're trying to get to the bottom of it, right? Right, the bigger picture. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? What is causing this? Is it, you know, I can prescribe a blood pressure pill for your blood pressure, but let's look at why is your blood pressure high? Of course, then you start looking at diet, da-da-da-da-da. But yes, yes, exactly. Why, like I said, I can can do all these behavioral things and, and, and try to change how I'm feeling at the moment. However, why it, it still wasn't going into the core reason. And so you had kind of gotten off and then started your Facebook and it, it was exactly what kind of looking for why from the very beginning, why was this feeling there? And it didn't matter where I went, how much money we had, how, how much my life looked like on the outside was so perfect or whatnot. It was still the empty feeling inside. And until that was going to be fixed by me, it's never going to change. So that's where it takes a lot of hard work. And I'm still not quite there yet at all, but I'm getting there. So you've been in the group since the beginning. Is that right? I think so. I think you kicked me out once, too. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. You did. You kicked me out once, but I, I didn't quit. And you didn't quit on me. I had forgotten about that, but I do remember, you know, it's going on two years now. Uh, I know that um, in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't know what the the group was going to look like, what um, approach I was going to take with the group. Was it going to be a support group? Was it going to be an education group? So I've learned a lot and I, you know, I've changed a lot too in in the way that I deal with the group. I I still go through um, weekly or biweekly. And I go through and I try to catch up to everybody. Um, I'm a lot more patient. And I did actually just uh, this morning, I did uh, remove a member because she was asking, somebody had commented about this podcast. And her question was, what's this podcast everybody's talking about? And I looked at her profile. She's been in the group since I think like February or something. So, you know, now we're in... We're, you know, tomorrow's November. So it's really, there's really no excuse to be in the group for that long and not know something as elementary as that. I mean, we talk about the podcast all the time. So um, I still, you know, I still got a pretty firm hand on those sorts of things. But otherwise, I've kind of relaxed and, you know, I kind of try to uh, deal with people a little bit more patiently. You know, I, but I have to tell you, I, I appreciated that you were a little, you were harsh. 